0: Good day, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining us, and I am thrilled that you are here on this day. What a day! What a day! What a day. turn within your Bibles. The book of Daniel, chapter number one. I get there just shortly. I got a big shout out that I want to give to all of our students, at North Church, uh, Oklahoma City uh, students, also Guthrie students. Got together this week and read a home in Guthrie, which was great. They took two full days. We had some men go in advance. This was before the house was worked on, uh, and uh, we had these students go up there. Men went in advance. Uh, redid some of the wood that had rotted out, and then the students came in, scraped the house completely, top to bottom, and then also repainted the house, and it turned out so incredible. And so I want to say thank you. Come on, give it up to our students right now. I know Guthrie appreciated it. So we want to start early, and uh, not only with the Dominican Republic, I do want to remind you uh, of that a plea in regards to praying for, in regards to supporting children Uh, We've got a number of children out there in the lobby right now that need to be taken. And then also, maybe if they are all taken as monthly supporters. Uh, I know Shannon and I, we have supported three kids for a number of years, one for each one of our children. And I want to ask you to stop and think about how you can support and be a part, and also to give financially. And um, I also want to say, we're going to take communion at the end of this experience. We take communion quite often around here. And I just want to remind you of what communion is about. This is a stop and remember. First off is to remember. Remember what? Remember Jesus Christ. And remember what He has done for us. How He stepped out of eternity and stepped into time to give His life for us. And the ultimate sacrifice. And it's a reminder that we are bought by a price. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And that we cannot earn this thing called salvation, eternal salvation. It's a gift of God. Secondly, when we receive a communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. Secondly, it's a time to reflect. And so even while I'm speaking, I hope that you're reflecting on your life. The Bible says that we are to examine ourselves before we receive communion. What does that mean? It means we stop and reflect on where we are in relationship with Christ. Even as a follower of Jesus, there's things that I know for me when I let the light of the Holy Spirit shine into my life, He is always revealing stuff in me that become, needs to become more like Jesus, right? So we're going to reflect. Remember, reflect. And the third thing is to rejoice. Rejoice. When you receive communion, remember that with all of your failures and all of your imperfections, you have been made right and you've been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are now joint heirs with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that we are also looking forward to our heavenly home where we will be reunited with Christ forever. That is why we get to rejoice during our time of communion. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? And I want to start with verse number 4. We're in week number two of the series, How to Win, and basically what this is about is that God has created us to win. Now, the way we measure winning, or the way the world system measures winning, is different than the way God measures winning. Sometimes in the Christian faith, in the Christian walk, what looks like, you know, you look like losing, but actually maybe winning, because winning really boils down to obedience to God, Right? And so we're going to be looking at that today, and the story here is the story of four different individuals, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar had left Babylon, went over into Israel, taken captive a lot of people, specifically a lot of young men. Matter of fact, the broadest and the best of the young men of Israel hauls them off in captivity and then begins to train them up. Now listen to what it says here. This is King Nebuchadnezzar speaking. Select, strong, young, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them daily ration of food and wine from, their own, from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years. Then they would enter the royal service. Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. Stop there for just a moment. A lot of times we think of uh, following Christ that things should be better, that things should be easier. That is not the case. Matter of fact, for these four young men, they had been stripped of their homes and their families. No telling what happened to their family. they have been hauled off hundreds, if not thousands of miles away to Babylon. And now they've been forced, surrounded by the God's of Babylon. That is an incredible challenge that they faced, but God was with them. Look at verse number eight. Verse number eight says, but Daniel was determined. You know, a lot of living the Christian life is about determined. Determined to what? do what? To follow Jesus, to obey him more than man, not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. What are they asking for? They're asking to go on a fast. To fast what the king has given and to eat and only drink the things that God had asked them to eat and drink. Now, the attendant over Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was concerned about this because he said, he said to them, if, if I allow you to do this, it could be my head. And so Daniel assured him, he said, hey, we're trusting God in this and give us ten days. And at the end of the ten days, let the other guys eat the king's food and drink the king's wine and at us just drink water and eat the vegetables that we want to eat. And we'll see. Then you can compare us and them. And we'll see what happens. So the 10 days passed. At the end of the 10 days, lo and behold, Daniel, their skin, their bodies, their mental sharpness was better than the other men. And so he allowed them. Continue. Let's pick this up in verse number 16. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and the wine provided the others. God gave these four young men unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. What you see here is God's hand was on their life. How many of you would like to have God's hand on your life like that? Come on, so that you have unusual aptitude for learning, understanding, wisdom, visions. Come on, I would love that, Right? I want you to hold out your hands, and I'm going to pray over you this morning. Would you close your eyes? And I just want to pray over you. And just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, give me the ears to hear what you have to say. And give me the faith to believe what you have to say. And today, give me the courage to obey what you say. It's in your name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Two questions I want to start off with today that I started with last week. And we're going to carry these throughout this series on how to win. First question is this. What am I currently not doing that if I were doing, would stretch me as a follower of Jesus? What am I currently not doing, that if I were doing, would stretch me as a Jesus follower. Think about that. So last week, I gave you a a wristband. If you did not get that, just go out and get one in the lobby following this experience. And as you understand this wristband, even to go over my wrist, I have to actually stretch it to go over my hand to get it on my wrist. Or it's not going to go on. Sometimes you use rubber bands at home to put over packages. Shannon and I travel And so when we travel, we never check luggage, which may blow you away. We spent 25 days one time in Europe traveling, and we did not check any luggage, just carry on. And so with that, you got to wrap things. i got ladies looking at me saying, ain't no way. I'm glad I'm not married to you. Come on. Somebody's in, right? We take the rubber bands, wrap it around clothes, and pull it real tight so that we can travel as light as possible. Because rubber bands are meant to stretch. To achieve their purpose, they're meant to pull, meant to stretch. You are meant for the stretch as a follower of Jesus. But oftentimes, we do not stretch ourselves the way God would want us. The second question I have for you is this, okay? What am I currently doing that, if eliminated, would stretch me as a follower of Jesus? So what am I needing to add to stretch me What am I needing to eliminate that can stretch me in my life as a follower of Jesus? Last week, I gave you the spiritual discipline, and that's what we're going to be dealing with during this series, of solitude. In a time and an age where it seems like we have noise everywhere and busyness is everywhere and something's always ringing in our pocket or buzzing or vibrating or going off, could you just give seven minutes seven days. And then one day, 70 minutes of solitude. And solitude was defined as this. Solitude was defined as being alone with God. Now, the definition in, the, in this dictionary is just being alone. Being alone. But we're not talking about isolation because isolation, you know, breeds deception. Isolation feeds the flesh. It creates uh, loneliness. We're not talking about loneliness. We're talking about being alone with God. If you did that, I applaud you. I pray that you continue to do it. Solitude. If you didn't, apply that to your life. But now this week, we're going to add another layer, okay, to spiritual disciplines in your life. And the one I want you to apply to your life this coming week and in the weeks to come is fasting. Fasting. Now, let me define fasting for what it really is. Fasting is abstaining from all or certain types of food and drink. Actually, it comes from the Hebrew word to which means to cover one's mouth. That's, that's what fasting means. And throughout the Bible, when you talk about fasting, it's speaking of the fasting of food or drink. But I want to expand the definition of fasting and one that I just kind of created made up. And I'm going to expand this definition to this. Is that fasting is abstaining from things, something desired to draw closer to God. So I want you to do two things during this time of fasting for the next 21 days. I'm not going to give you any specific things. I want to individually, you ask God. I want you to fast food and or drink. Maybe the sodas are no more. Maybe it's the coffee. Okay, maybe it's sweets. Maybe it's a certain food that you really enjoy that you're going to push aside. But I also want you to add onto that something else that you're going to fast. Maybe that's Netflix. Maybe that's social media. Maybe that's, I'm just, I'm just ringing out some things. Maybe it's a, a hobby that you enjoy, that you really like. I'm gonna, because I'm going to abstain so that I can attain. That's the title of the message. We're going to abstain from something that we desire to attain a closer relationship with God. So this past few months I was in Jordan, and I met a wonderful, beautiful missionary family from Mexico. I was so encouraged to see not just American missionaries, but missionaries from all over. This is the beautiful family. And uh, they were there in Jordan, reaching out to the Arab people, speaking people. One of their daughters is not in the picture. So you got one that's 22, one that's 20, but there was one 19 not in the picture. She was on a 40-day fast. Water only she was drinking. No food, and for 40 days not speaking. She took that Hebrew word to Zoom, to close your mouth, so that she wasn't going to speak for 40 days and would not eat any food. Now, I don't recommend you just doing that without spiritual authority around you, and even medical, but this young girl was in her 35th day when I got there, then 36th day, when I left, it was the 37th day and she had three more days to go. Sometimes we look at the Bible and read these stories and we think, oh, it was only in the Bible, that was only then. No, there's still people that hear from God and want to draw closer to God and will take some radical steps to do so. I'm not asking you to do 40 days and drink and only water. What I'm asking you to do is just push aside something that you desire so that you can draw closer to God. Lay aside something that, come on, abstain, so that you can attain. Come on, say it with me. Abstain so that you can attain. That's what I'm asking you to do during this time. So let's break down a little bit of information about fasting. First off is that fasting is a privilege. Fasting is a privilege. Food is something that we can take for granted, folks, especially here in America. The World Health Association, I read this this past week, says this, a third of the world is well-fed, a third of the world is underfed, and a third of the world is starving to death. By the conservative, most conservative of efforts and studies, this past year, there was over 10 million people that died of starvation. Those were conservative. Most of them were saying 15 to 20 million people died of starvation. It's a privilege to fast. We take for granted the food that sits on the table, the convenience of going through, you know, a fast food place and picking up something. We take for granted our grocery stores. We take for granted for a lot of stuff. And it's nothing to do with us. It just happens to be that we were born here. You didn't choose where you were born. Realize that it's a privilege to fast. Because not only do we take advantage of food, uh, take for granted food, but also... It's a privilege because when you fast, you're drawing closer to God. When Jesus started his ministry, what was the first thing he did? He was led of the Spirit into where? Wilderness. And what did he do those 40 days? He fasted and he prayed. What was the purpose of that? To get closer to God and to hear the voice of God better. In fact, Jesus would come out and He would say things, I I only do what my Father told me to do. Come on, what if you and I lived our lives that way? How how do you respond to somebody when they treat you wrong? I only do what my Heavenly Father says to do. How do you respond to lust and temptation? I only do what my Heavenly Father tells me to do. Come on, that would change the game, folks. And Jesus spent 40 days. In fact, when Jesus was teaching on fasting, in Matthew chapter number 6, He says these words. He says, and when you fast. He didn't say, and if you fast. He didn't say, pretty please, would you fast? He didn't say, I begged you, would you just start trying to fast? He said, as a follower of mine, there's one thing that you're going to do. You're going to fast. And you're going to choose to set aside those things that you desire so that you can draw closer to me. Fasting. Now, now, this is important because so many times we use fasting for the wrong measures and the wrong purposes. You see, because fasting is not a way to manipulate God's agenda, but it's to move on to His agenda. Let that sink in for just a moment. Fasting is not a way to twist God's arm It's not a way of trying to just make him do what you want him to do and say, I'm going to keep doing this and I'm not going to eat because God is going to work to give me exactly what I want. No, it's actually to make you aware of his agenda for your life so that you get off of your agenda and onto his agenda. That's what it's about. So, fasting is a privilege, but also, fasting purifies. Fasting purifies. Uh, I, I know for me, I've abused this body for a lot of years. In fact, up until my early 30s, I did not treat this body well. Uh, I I abused it with sports, activities, hobbies, doing crazy stuff. I was Mr. I I, I I thrived on high energy, high go, all the and I did not do my body well. The surgeries I've had this past year was the results of choices I made early on in life. Uh, I praise the Lord that actually, somebody asked me yesterday, and I said, "My, my body, actually, I'm feeling better right now, my body, than I have the last 20 years. And I rejoice in that. But not only my outside body that I treat wrongly, but my inside body. I ate just whatever I wanted to eat. I ate junk, I ate things, I ate late night, I ate, I mean, it was horrible what I did to this body. And in my early 30s, God began to really convict me about this topic, that my body did not belong to me and that my body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you don't think God is not concerned about the food that you eat, look at the book of Leviticus. Come on, there's a whole lot of teachings on, throughout the Bible, he is concerned. Why? It's because your body does not belong to you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And what is this body supposed to do? It's supposed to bring glory and honor to God. So what do I need to do? I need to take care of this body, this outward temple, and more importantly, I need to take care of the inward temple, even what I put in this body. Why? So that I can have a long life of bringing glory and honor to God. Now, there's some things that I can't control, but what I can control, I need to control, and you need to control. But ultimately this, it's not just about taking your temple, your outward and your inward. It's about... Fasting is about cleansing your soul. So when it purifies, it's about cleansing your soul. That's the ultimate. That's more important. That's ultimately what it's about. It's about saying, God, do a deep work in me of cleansing my soul. See, if you struggle with gluttony, and gluttony is not just a weight thing. It's not just because you're bigger than somebody else and you're a glutton. No, that, that is not it. I've met young people. I have met people who are slim and trim that are gluttony. What does that mean? It means that you worship with your stomach. That means you just pursue what you want, when you want, how you want. All of us, especially in America, can fall into a spirit of gluttony. What's the answer to that? Fasting. What's the answer to lust? You struggle with lust? All of us do. And there's a lot of different forms of lust. What's the answer? Fasting. You set aside that that you desire to draw closer to God you can begin to deal with your lust a whole lot better. You struggle with bitterness, fasting. You struggle with uh, jealousy, fasting. You struggle with gossip, fasting. You struggle with any type of sin. You learn to set aside what you want. Abstain so that you can obtain. Abstain from those things that you enjoy so that you can attain freedom from those things that are holding you captive. Oh, is anyone listening? Anybody got their ears on today? I hope so, because I'm trying my best to preach. The Bible talks about it quite often. And, you know, Daniel chapter number 9, look at what it says here. Daniel says, so I turned to the Lord, my God, and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You will always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. So he is right here coming to God to repent. He's been prayer and fasting, calling out to God. Look at verse number five. He changes his course a little bit. He said, but we, he brings other people into the equation, but we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. What is he doing here? You see, sometimes we need to fast and purify ourselves, but we begin to pray that God will begin to purify those around us and begin to pray for others. You see this? And that's what he's doing. This past week, I felt an extra burden on me as I began to pray for all the followers of Christ who seem to love the world more than the things of God. We, spend, we get more excited about sitting in front of a screen being entertained by sports and, MD, and, and, and uh, Netflix and various other movies and things that we're watching more than sitting and having FaceTime with God. we we got to stop and think what, what really matters to us, what really is important to us, feeding the flesh what it desires or feeding the spirit what it so desires? Come on, folks. You see, fasting not only purifies you, but fasting also impacts others. Let me give you another one. Fasting is powerful. It It is not only a privilege, it only purifies, but also fasting is very powerful. Because fasting prepares you by empowering you. Think about this for a moment. For, for, for Daniel in the Bible. Anybody remember the story? If, if you went to Sunday school, you probably saw the you know, felt board with Daniel and the lions, what? Den. And so what was the story about Daniel? Daniel began to rise up the ladder. He's taken captive slave, went through their schooling, rose up the ladder really quick. God blessed him, anointed him to be able to lead at a high level. He began to be the right-hand man for the king of Nebuchadnezzar. Other people from that country got very jealous of this foreign boy in here now kind of running the show, and they began to plot on ways to get at him, and they found that there was no way to get at him because he was like, he was flawless. They're like, man, the guy is perfect in all ways, but they had one thing that they could use against him was his God. And so they convinced the king to sign a decree that if anybody prays to anyone other than Nebuchadnezzar, they would be thrown in the lion's den. The king signs it, forgetting about Daniel and his commitment to his God, and so all of a sudden, Daniel is caught in a, in a predicament between a heart rock and a heart place because he hears about the decree. But what does he do? He goes back to his home. He opens up his windows, and he prays like he did, does every single day, three times a day, in the morning and at noon and in the evening. He opens his windows and begins to pray. And lo and behold, the people that are trying to catch him are outside in the bushes waiting for him to do that so they could record it and get him on social media, put it on Twitter, and get him caught. Oh, and you don't believe that, do you? <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Daniel and I hear that, I- I'm not going to stop praying, but at least when I go home, I'm keeping my window shut. <laughs> I'm-, I'm maybe just qu- praying under my breath, but not him. You know what he had done? Prayer and fasting had prepared him by empowering him to give him the courage he needed to be able to stand when it was very hard to stand. Oh, you know the rest of the story? Remember the Sunday school class? Sister Stewart's class back in the day? Come on. They threw him into the lion's den. And the king said, I'm praying for you. Actually, he didn't want it to happen. But he honored his decree because all the pressure that he was having from all of social media that was going on. You know, Facebook crowd was just rallying against him. You know, CNN and, and Fox were going against the king. And everybody was, he was feeling the pressure. And all of a sudden, he just says, I got to do this. He throws him into the lion's den. The king doesn't sleep all night. He goes down, opens up, and looks down, and he says, Daniel, are you still alive? Did your God rescue you? And Daniel shouts out back, says, oh, yes, King Nebuchadnezzar. My God has shut the mouths of the lions, and I am set free, and I am safe, and all in one piece. prayer, and fasting. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Come on, remember that story in chapter number three? Chapter number three, basically, the story was they were told that you're going to bow when the music plays, and we're going to worship this idol that's before you. And when the music played, they didn't bow. Somebody noticed that and said, hey, these three Hebrew boys didn't bow. Everybody else bowed. And they called them out and said, we're going to heat the furnace seven times hotter, and this time you are going to bow when the music plays. And you know what the king said? I mean, the king said to them, I'm going to throw up this, I'm I'm angry, I'm mad, it's going to be so hot, you are going to just burn immediately before you even get in there. And what did they say to the king? They said, oh, king, you can heat it up seven times hotter, but we're not going to bow to your God. King, our God is more than able to save us, and we know that he will. But they didn't stop there, but they said, but even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow our knee The music played. They didn't bow. They bound them up and they threw them into the fire. In fact, fact, it says that the men that threw them in there died trying to get them into the fire because the heat was so great. They threw them in there. Their bonds, immediately the ropes or whatever it was, fell off of them because of the heat but they did not have a hair on them singed by the fire as they were walking around in the midst of the fiery furnace. The king jumps up, looks at them, and says, did not we just throw three men in the fiery furnace? And they said, oh, yes, king, we did. He said, well, I see not just three. I see Shadrach. I see uh, Meshach. I see Abednego. But I see a fourth man walking around in the fire. And that fourth man looks like the son of a living God. I I I got news for you. Fasting is powerful, and fasting prepares you by empowering you so whatever fiery furnace you go through in life, you won't be alone, but Jesus Christ will be walking with you in the fires of life. Jesus even talked about fasting as being so powerful in the book of Mark chapter number nine. He talks about a demon-possessed man. Matter of fact, this father brings the child who has been demon-possessed, and his disciples couldn't cast out the demon And so they bring her to Jesus, and Jesus looks at it and says, oh, you faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? And he makes this statement in chapter number 9 and verse number 29. Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer and what? Prayer and fasting. I want you to stop and think about in your own life. What is it in your life that you need prayer and fasting? What is it that you need to really pay a price and say, I'm gonna give up those things I desire to draw closer to God because I need a miracle that I can't give. All of my intellect, all of my wisdom, all of my abilities, this needs to be a supernatural work of God. What marriage needs fasting? Come on, what children need fasting? What parents need fasting? What addiction in your life needs fasting? What is it in your life? Somebody who needs to come back to Jesus Christ or somebody who's so far from Jesus and they've never been a part of following Christ. Who is it? Let me tell you what, fasting is powerful. It can break strongholds and set people free. The last thing I want to give you is this, is that fasting brings God's provision. Fasting brings God's provision. It's crucial to note, and I want you to make a middle of this. Fasting provides the provision you need for the problems you face. Let me say that again. Fasting provides the provision you need for the problems you face. What is it you're going through Look at Daniel chapter number 10 and verse number 2. It says, When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks, 21 days. All the time I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Some of you look at me and say, it's not easy to fast fast. Yeah, that, that, that is kind of the point. That, that, it, that is kind of a little bit of what it's, it's about giving up those things that you desire. He said, I gave up lotions. I gave up the nice treatment. I gave up the rich foods. I gave up the wine. I gave up all those things. Abstain to attain. For the next 21 days, I want to ask you to abstain so that you can Attain. What is it? I'm going to let you figure that out. But I know this, that as you are stretched, it's about sending you out. It's about sending you forward. You better be paying attention. Wake up your person that's sitting next to you that may have fallen asleep. Say, Pastor's going, he's going crazy on us. Because God wants to stretch you to send you out. God wants to stretch you, to send you. Give me that. I want to try it again. I've done this in every experience, and that hasn't happened. There we go. That's more like it. Fasting is not about you getting more of God. God but God getting more of you. At the end of this 21-day period, we're going to have a time of night of praise and worship called One Night. It's going to be a Saturday night. Our weekend experiences on Thursday and Sunday are all the same. This is going to be happening at Guthrie. And what I'm believing, I'm going to be speaking on the power of the Holy Spirit on that night. And I'm believing that God is going to be, even before we get to that night, setting people free breaking bondages, setting people free, giving hope to marriages, giving hope for future. But I want you to begin to fast. Solitude, fasting. Solitude and fasting. Amen? Father, now by the power of your Spirit, I preach the Word. The Holy Spirit, do the work in people's hearts as the Word has found roots and is being watered. And people are going to be set free. I pray this in your name, Father. If you're here and you need Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is knocking at your door. Open up your door to receive the grace that only He can give. Maybe you're here in. There's something in your life that needs the power of God. Maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you to take extra steps today and to abstain so that you can attain. Father, do your work. Set people free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.